Hello Revive Church. I hope you guys are keeping well and if not praying that God will work in your life. Today we're in a message series called Flourish and how we're called to flourish on purpose and with purpose. And what we've been doing in this teaching series on flourishing is actually understanding that it's a multifaceted uh, arena, this flourishing. We're not just flourishing in one area of life, but God has called us to flourish. And flourishing requires multifaceted environment that's actually going to enable us to thrive and flourish the way that God has created for us. And I'm so glad you're here for this series because ultimately it's my dream, my desire and of our community that you would flourish, that you would experience God's flourishing in your life. And so maybe you're watching this for the first time and if you are, welcome. I'm so glad that you've joined us. If uh, you've maybe missed some of the previous ones, go check them out after this one and, and uh, yeah, just get that bigger picture. If you're tracking along with us through this series though, Welcome, and I'm so glad that you're here. Today, we are talking about flourishing in kingdom purpose, or should I say, flourishing for kingdom purposes. There's this positive psychologist who did this informal uh, study uh, of his students, and I want to read that to you quickly about what it is that he said understanding that this is a multifaceted environment, but there's one area of this positive psychologist, he's got like five, and one of the areas that he talks into is meaning. Uh, there are other positive psychologists, some use four, some use nine, like there's a variety of numbers, but what we need to understand is there's a variety of things, and one of them that they've identified is meaning, or otherwise known as purpose. And so I wanna read you um, what he says in this study. There is an informal study that Martin Seligman likes to carry out with his students. During the term time, he will ask them to do one fun thing and one philanthropic thing that week, then pay attention to how both activities made them feel. Time and time again, students will report back the same thing. They tell him that while the fun activity was great, it didn't really have any lasting well-being effects. But when they did the philanthropic activity, it had lasting effects, including making them feel more connected to others for the rest of the day. According to Seligman, this is the meaning element of flourishing. The sense of belonging to and serving something bigger than the self. His research has found that when we simply focus on our own happiness and satisfaction, we can never truly flourish. In his words, the self is completely impoverished soil for well-being. There are many ways to find more meaning in life. From random acts of kindness to supporting loved ones to joining religious activist or community groups. But the key is to, the key is to find a way to feel that your life serves a bigger purpose other than just survival and self-gratification. Isn't that incredible that how he says, he says that the self is completely impoverished soil for well-being. You know how we, it's so easy for us to want to gravitate to self, but what he is saying that ultimately, if it's about self-gratification, if it's about us all the time, we don't experience flourishing and well-being. In fact, I was on a call a couple of months ago with a, 
um, a pastor from, uh, from Australia. And on that call, we were discussing about like serving in church and, and how that's going, or pe- how are people responding after COVID. And, and, re- and the reality was that, hey, our serving numbers dropped. People, they stopped serving other people on some consistent basis. But he went on to say, hey, that's ex- being experienced worldwide, number one. And number two, it's not just in church life. It's actually in even in normal NGO groups that the um, s- level of serving, people volunteering, dropped to about 35%. Now, that's quite scary. And, and the insight that he gave afterwards, which I thought was really, really valuable, he said this. He said that people after COVID, after that whole lockdown and the world was locked down crazy, and we all know that, but... What was so crazy is that we went into survival mode. We went into self-protection mode, into kind of making sure that we're okay. And what we need to do as pastors and, and leaders is to take people from a place of survival into a place of thriving, a place of flourishing. And so even this positive psychologist agrees to say, hey, if you're just looking for self, self is not good soil for well-being. We need to have meaning and purpose in serving a bigger cause than ourselves. And that's where we will flourish. And there's a problem in the body of Christ today that most of the body of Christ are not actually using that in some way. They they're, they're, they're love Jesus. They, you know, they're faithful in their relationship with Jesus. But actually they're not serving beyond themselves stuck in survival. How do we know that? Well, just if we go across um, healthy church metrics and stuff, if people say like, hey, 50% of your church is serving, you're actually doing really well. In other places, um, statistics have come, that come out from the US say that only 80, that 85% of the body of Christ don't know what their spiritual gift is. And so if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, how are you using it to serve other people? And ultimately what's happening is that we've got a lot of believers who are looking at the church, looking at what's being built, looking at people making an impact, but aren't getting in the game themselves. And so that is a problem because that is one of the elements of flourishing. And it's not just about random acts of kindness. Everybody loves to do random acts of kindness. And those are good things. It's like, hey, I feel good when I do a random act of kindness. And that's like elevated. But you know what I find to be more powerful than random acts of kindness is consistent reliability to show up and to do something for God in the lives of other people. What we have in life is we have, as believers, we have a mission in the world. That's to bring Jesus to people or to bring people to Jesus, to proclaim his name. But then we actually have a ministry within the church where we're called to actually build up other people with what we have, to love them and to serve them. And the body of Christ is uniquely positioned in order to be that force for good in other people. And so when you, when you, when you come to know Jesus and, and you understand that he set you free, you're in a prime place to flourish. I want to give you four things today that is going to help you to understand how we flourish when we are active in God's kingdom purposes. The first one is this. We are called for kingdom purpose. We are called for kingdom purpose. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, Paul writes to the Ephesian church. He says, we are God's handiwork 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I love what Paul is saying there. What Paul is saying is that we are God's handiwork, which means God took great care to make us and design us and create us just how he wants, just how we ought to be. He put all of um, our gifts, talents, abilities, our, our quirks, our unique personalities, our passions and all that, put that together because he, he knew that that was a piece of the puzzle. He knew that you and I are a piece of what he is trying to build. He took great care because you and I have a calling, a calling from God for his kingdom purposes. What I love about the scripture is that it's for good works. It's not just, hey, let's do random acts of kindness, but let's be consistent because there's a calling and that calling requires consistency. If you're consistent, you can still be random, but let's build our lives on the calling of God. God's calling for you is not random. It's intentional. And so we can intentionally step into God's purpose for our life because He has created our purpose. Imagine this. Before you and I were born, God had a purpose in mind for us. He prepared, the Bible says, good works for us in advance to do. I love that. You know, have you ever heard this, this story or this saying that there's a God-sized hole in all of our hearts that only God can fill? No matter how much, you know, um, desire or ambition or sin we want to put in there, it's never going to fill us and satisfy us. Only God can because there's a God-sized hole in our heart. Well, what if I told you that there is a U-shaped hole in the church? There is a U-shaped hole that only you can fill. And God has called you and me to fill that unique space that He has set us apart for, that He has called us for. And He has called us for it now, not one day when, one day when I think i am got it all together, one day when my life looks right, one day, you know, when I've got nothing else to do, one day once I've got all these other things in my life sorted out then I'll do it. No, God's called us and prepared us for it. I, we need you. Our church needs you. The, maybe, maybe this isn't your church home or your church family, and you've got another church. You're just checking this message out. Hey, there's a God, there's a you-sized hole in the church that you belong to, that you are uniquely called and graced by God to fill. Don't let it go empty. The church of Jesus Christ needs you because you have a role in helping other people, serving his body, building other people up in the way that you have been created for. The second thing that I want to leave you with today is that we are to steward God's gifts. What if I told you that God gave you and I all a gift? A gift that was there to bless other people. The gift not for self-gain, but actually to serve and love other people for their benefit and God's glory. Well, let me show you in 1 Peter verse, chapter 4, verse 10. Peter writes this, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Other translations of that scripture say, Hey, everyone has been given a gift. 
So be a good steward of that gift to serve God in His manifold grace. I love that. I just love the fact that every person, every believer has a unique gift from God that is for someone else. Because if He's given you a calling for it, He's also gifted you for it. And what, what it comes down to is this, is that will we, be, will we be good stewards of the gift? Hey, everything God gives you, whether it's resources, gifting, opportunities, He's given that to us to be good stewards of what He has given us. So that we can give it back to Him and say, hey, look what we've done with what you have given to us. Look at, look at what we have done for your glory and for your name. So we are called to be good stewards of the gifts that God has given us. Some of us have been called by God with the gift of encouragement because, hey, there are people in the body of Christ who are suffering in discouragement. Life has got them down. The devil is keeping them down. But he's given you a voice to encourage them with your faith. For some other people, it's, this, it's a gift of um, creativity or a gift of hospitality or a, a gift of, of, uh, of wisdom. So many things, some to preach, some to pray. Like everyone has been given a gift because there is a U-shaped hole in the church. And when you step into it with your gift, that picture gets more complete and people get helped. Jesus, in fact, he tells this parable um, in Matthew 25. It's the parable of the talents. It's a very well-known and well-taught on scripture. And Jesus, he, he tells the story of, of this master who has three servants. And what he does to the servants is, is he gives them resource. He gives them talents. Now, in this passage of scripture, it's not like giftings, like, like talents that we think of now. It's actually monetary value. He gives them money to use and to steward while he's going on a trip. So it says that for one, he gives five talents which let's just say like five bags of gold or whatever. The next one, he gives two talents. And to the third servant, he gives one talent. And he goes away and then he comes back. But what we find out in between that time is that the person who was given five talents, he reinvested those five talents and he earned five more. So he, he doubled what he was given. The same thing happened with the person who got two talents. The, there was a good steward. He, he got the two and he invested two. And then he doubled it. He got two in return. And then the last one was afraid and worried. And what he did was he took the one talent, fearing that he would lose it rather than use it. He buried it in the ground. And so when the master comes back, Jesus is telling the story. He says to the one that, that, that doubled it, hey, from five got to ten. Well done. You're good and faithful. And he rewards that servant. The one who had two and gained two more. Well done, faithful servant. And he rewards that servant. And then he gets to the third one who buried it in the ground. And he tells that person, he tells that servant, you are a wicked and lazy servant. You could have at least gotten me inflationary value by putting this in the bank. Instead, you buried it in the ground. You didn't use it. You lost it. You, you buried it. And he's talking about stewardship. That stewardship is not just about showing up. It's not just about like what we think is being faithful is by showing up. No, it's about being fruitful and faithful. It's about showing up and doing something with what God has given to us. 
He tells this parable so that we would use resources and abilities in order to be good stewards so that we can magnify God and do God's work. But don't don't be don't misunderstand me. It's not just a parable to give us a life lesson. Jesus is actually going to hold us accountable to what he has given. He's going to hold me accountable for the gifts that he's put in my life, the opportunities that he's given to me, the, the resources, the finances, all of that that he has given to me. He's going to hold me accountable to it. And what I want to say to him is, here, look what I've done for you. Here's a return. Rather than saying, I buried it all my life, I instead want to say, I used it. I gave it my best. And what the, what the master actually did is he took the, the, that one that that servant had and he gave it to the one with 10. And right away, it's not unfair. Why? He's already got Why must he get more? But the truth and what Jesus is trying to show us here is when you use what you've been given and you multiply it and you make it effective, you will actually be able to receive more. More will be given to you. If you don't have what you, if you don't use what you have, you lose it. When you use what you have and multiply it, more comes your way. God wants to put talents and resources in the hands of people who are going to use it and multiply it for His glory and for His work. And so I want to encourage you today. God has called you, designed you, and made you for a specific purpose. And He's also given you gifts in order to fulfill that purpose. Very much, we say it this way, that God's design reveals your destiny. And so he's not going to make you one way to use you another way. He has made you because he has a purpose for you. And that is for ministry to people within the church and for a mission out in the world. And when the Bible talks about ministry, it's not like, oh, the person who's on stage, or the person in front of this camera right now preaching to you. No, that's not it. Ministry simply means service. So we want to use what we've been given in the service of God and the service of others. Isn't that encouraging that God actually invites us and gifts us and empowers us to be a part of the work that He's doing? That encourages me deeply. Thirdly, what I want to share with you and leave you with is that we actually follow Christ's example. And not just His example, but also His instruction. Look at me with, look with me at Matthew 20, verse 26 to 28. Jesus said this to his followers, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is literally saying, If you want to flourish, serve people. If you want to become great in the kingdom of God, Become a slave to your brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't like that term. We, live, we don't like the term of slave and servant. It, it, we want to be free and independent and all that. But God's kingdom is an upside down kingdom. The way to the top is to go to the bottom. The way to become great in his eyes is to become uh, lowly, humble, and a servant. Christianity is is not just a religion, it's a way of serving people and serving Jesus. I remember one person said that if Christianity had a, a logo, it would be the serving towel of a butler. Hey, I'm here to serve and to love. Because that's the example that Jesus left for us. He didn't come as the King of Kings to be served. 
He came as the King of Kings to serve us so that we would continue to serve others. He served us by laying his life down on a cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins by the shedding of his perfect and sinless blood upon the cross. And then he rose again on the third day in power and victory over death and sin. He served us in that way. Not only did he serve us in that way, he served us in many different ways so that we would pick up the example, not to try and lord our position over people, but to serve other people so that we may be like Jesus in the way that we live. And so your king and my king has showed us a pattern for life. And that is that flourishing looks like serving. The fourth and the last thing I want to leave you with is that there's a reward. You know what's so amazing about Jesus is that if he only died on the cross for our sins, and rose from the grave. If he only did that, that would be more than we ever deserved because of our rebellion and sin against God. But he doesn't just lay down his life and give us eternal hope and eternal life and a place with him for all forever. He also blesses us and he causes us to flourish when we live his way. There is a reward. And it's not just a reward for the here and now, it's a reward for all of eternity. It's amazing, we live in this culture, don't we, where, uh, where anything can happen at the click of a button, right? Hey, if I want to have dinner, just press the right buttons on the microwave with the food inside. If I want to buy something, I can get express delivery and get it the same day. We, we're in this instant and we want instant rewards. But there will be a reward ceremony in heaven for all who believe in Jesus. And this reward ceremony is going to be all, all that it's going to be about is it's going to be about the people who were about the Father's business. It's going to be about the people, it's going to be for the people who use their gifts, talents, and abilities because they realized they were called of God for kingdom purposes and they used what they had for the Father and to serve His people. So that might look like you know, in a church service setting, people making coffee, people playing musical instruments, people singing, people preaching maybe, people praying, people welcoming in people. All of these things, that's, there's going to be a reward ceremony for that. I, I look forward to be in that day and that ceremony, um, which is going to be just, it's going to wipe the Grammys and the Academy Awards off. Like, it's not even a comparison, right? And he's going to say, and the award for so-and-so. Because he served for 20 years in the car park. And yeah, and we're all going to chill. They went from service to service to service. And they were doing so many things and people. And we think it's, oh, it's all the pastors and all the people and the missionaries. They're going to get it. No, no, no. The ceremony is for those who use what God gave them to serve people around them. This is what the scriptures teach us. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. So his people, right? That we have a mission in the world, but we have a ministry to his church. And God will remember that. In John 12, 26, it says that my father will honor those who serve him, who serve me, who serve Jesus. 
In Proverbs 11, verse 24 to 25, the writer of the Proverbs says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another person, pers- person. Another person withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So, so there is a heavenly reward, but there's also an earthly reward. There's also a flourishing here. There is a flourishing that we receive only through serving other people. That when we refresh people through our service, we ourselves get refreshed. When we are not withholding what we've been given, but we are generous with what we are given. This is speaking primarily financially for sure, but we can be generous in different areas of our life. And one of those areas is how we serve one another. That we don't just come to be served, but we come to serve, to take the position of a servant like Jesus did. And as we serve people, we ourselves are served and helped and refreshed. As we lead other people into worship, we ourselves are led into worship. So today, the four things that, that will help us to flourish in kingdom purposes to realize that we are called by God for kingdom purposes. Number two is that we are called to be a steward of the gifts that God has given us. Number three, we follow Jesus' example. And number four, know that there is a reward for your faith, a reward for the things you've done with what's been given to you in a way to glorify God. But I must give you a warning before we close. And here's my warning. If you and I think that we can, we can serve God without the presence of God, we can serve people without the presence of God in our daily life, we'll be very badly mistaken. A lot of people, when they think, I'm just going to serve my way to Jesus, you realize you can't. You can't. Salvation is a gift. You can't work your way there. You can't work your way into God's approval for salvation to forgive you of your sin. That's been done for you. It's already been done for you. But if we take that mentality and go, I'm going to keep on working and I'm going to, I'm going to serve and, and, and my service is going to show God how much I love Him, but I'm not daily with Him, we will burn out. We'll be like, God, use me. And then we'll get upset that God used us and we feel abused. We need wisdom. Unless we can be sustained by God's presence in daily life, we will not be sustained in the service of God. Because it's the, our gifts will kill us unless we are in an intimate relationship with Him. So I want to warn you, it's like, if you're going to rely on just doing things for God without actually being with God, this is not going to work. It's multifaceted. Remember, we've been saying that this whole series. And what I'm trying to say is like, oh, I'm not in in the perfect relationship with God. I'm going to take a step back from serving. Don't do that. Why don't you just correct and say, I'm going to give, I'm going to seek God today because he's going to give me the strength I need for what I need to do today. I'm going to draw near to him and he's going to draw near to me and he's going to give me the strength to overflow and to be a blessing to people around you. Listen, church, if, if we take a step back every time there's pressure or circumstances that are in our life, all the devil has to do is to keep you busy, keep you under pressure. Instead, what we need to do is reorganize our lives around Jesus, that we may serve Him faithfully, be with Him daily. And when those things come, say, no, we've made a commitment to build His 
kingdom consistently. And we will see how He refreshes us, how He strengthens us, and how He comes through for us. You cannot sustain God's work without God's presence. And so what am I encouraging us to do? I'm saying, let's take a step today to become part of a team. If you're watching this online and, and you're part of our church and part of our house, I would encourage you, get involved in a ministry. Use your gifts. We have a system that's in our church called the Pathway. And the Pathway is there to help actually you to discover, hey, how do I become a disciple of Jesus? How do I grow a healthy relationship with Jesus? And how can I serve Jesus? What is my shape? What, what are my talents and gifts and abilities? What is God calling me to do? And we want to help unearth that for you so that you can walk this road of purpose and flourishing with intention. And so what you can do is you can actually just respond on, a, on our website and, and use the contact form and then say, hey, I want to serve. How can I get involved? That's, that's really the next step. As like, oh, okay, this is a campaign to recruit people. Yes, it's a campaign to recruit people because it's in that that we flourish. It's not like saying, okay, now that you're serving in church, don't serve out like in your workplace. No, we are called as a, for a lifestyle of serving God and a lifestyle of serving His purposes with our mission field and within our, our church ministries. It's together. And in that way, we're going to see God do amazing things. Because He's called you. He's gifted you. He's laid an example before you. And there are rewards waiting for you. If you will just continue to walk in them. We want to help you to live out the gifting and the calling of God in your life. Don't leave rewards on the table. Live the life that you can for God's glory and for His way. And you will see you will see you're going to find incredible strength. You're going to see that you're going to come alive in the calling of God. You're going to see that you're going to flourish. You're going to gain great meaning, not because it's random, but because it's intentional, consistent, regular. God builds His church on those who can be relied upon to do the work of God. And this isn't a slave job, but we are called to be servants. And it's in serving people, in serving Jesus, that we will find flourishing in God's purposes. Remember what Martin Seligman said, The self is, is an impoverished soil for well-being. It's in what we give away and what we serve other people with that we will find meaning, well-being, and flourishing. And can I say it? The reward of a life well lived serving God. And that's what I want for you. That's what I want for all of us. Let me pray for you today. Father, I just commit each person who's watching this message or listening to this. And I ask you, Father, that you would help connect us into areas where we can serve your purpose, which is way bigger than our lives. Father, I pray that we would be about your business. Strengthen us and enable us to do your work. Thank you that you've called us for a, a much bigger life than we can possibly imagine. Father, take us from a place of survival to a place of thriving and flourishing. I pray that we would get the environments of flourishing right in our life so that we can experience it, Lord. 
And Father, I pray that you would help us to discern gifts, discern opportunities, and then take steps forward, God, into your purposes. In Jesus' name. And I pray, Father, that you would help everyone hearing my voice now to live a life of flourishing in this year. Amen. Thank you so much, and we'll see you.